maybe success was different for me. Maybe that label that I thought was success wasn't actually my success. Gradually, what I've done is worked out what my definition of success is. And I have found it personally incredibly liberating to know what success is for me. Are you outwardly very successful, but inwardly concerned that your successful life isn't living up to expectations or making you happy? Or do you feel guilty that you could have accomplished so much more and been more successful, but you're actually quite happy with the way things are right now? And do you actually know what success looks like for you? This week, we're joined by Dr. Claire Kay on the podcast. She's a former GP and executive coach specialising in career development. We're discussing success, the pros and cons, the advantages and pitfalls. So often we have that niggling feeling that life isn't quite how we expected it to be, even if we are quite successful. And let's face it, many doctors and professionals working in high stakes industries do look quite successful. But is success, whatever that means, really worth the sacrifice, the loss of free time and the stress which comes from achieving it? Perhaps it's time we took a long, hard look at what a successful life really looks like. And it will mean different things to different people. The worst thing you can do is pursue someone else's definition of success. Claire and I discuss how to work this out for yourself and plan a successful career in which you can thrive in work and life. So join us if you want to find out why it's so important to get your own definition of success, how some small changes will make a huge difference to your success and how you can make them. And join us if you want to find out how to ditch the guilt about what you think you should do and start doing what you really want to do. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options, stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances and if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60 minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. So it's really good to have with me back on the podcast again, Dr. Claire Kay. Now, Claire is an executive coach and a specialist in career development. She's a former portfolio GP and she does loads and loads of other stuff as well. So it is brilliant to have you on, Claire. So we are going to be talking about success today and something I know you think a lot about, Claire, and you you post a lot about that on your various social media channels as well. Uh, I think success for doctors and other professionals is an odd thing. And I think it really changes, doesn't it, throughout our career, what we think success is. So let's just start off with really basic definitions. How would you define success? Well, um, I think this is actually a really, really challenging area. And what I did before we came on um, today is I actually looked up the dictionary definition of success. And there's two, and I'm just going to read them to you. One is 
the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And the second one is the attainment of fame, wealth or social status. And when I read these a while ago, I just felt really uncomfortable. And it made me realize that actually success is very individual, number one. And number two, most people that I'm seeing in a coaching um, arena don't really know what success is to them. And it made me think a lot about my journey with success and my struggles with understanding what success is. So, for example, when I just qualified a GP and all my friends, you know, very high achieving people, really bright, great, a bunch. We used to meet up regularly. And I remember vividly at one of our meetups they, we were getting together and everyone was saying what they were doing and everyone was, oh yeah, I'm just going for partnership and oh yeah, I've just got partnership and oh wow, I'm just about to get partnership. And this word partnership was like looming large and this was quite off-piste at the time, not to, to go for partnership. And I remember during that meetup feeling like a complete failure and feeling like I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't get there. Why wasn't I going for partnership? How was I making a big mistake? Just feeling rubbish and thinking, oh my goodness, I have totally failed in my career. What was I thinking? And that feeling kind of sat with me for a really, really long time. And even though I was, I actively decided to go down the portfolio career route and actively decided to do my own thing, there was always a bit of me that felt like I wasn't quite successful because I wasn't a partner. And it took me a really long time to come to terms with that, that actually I had chosen a different route. So maybe success was different for me. Maybe that label of partnership that I thought was success wasn't actually my success. And gradually over, and this has taken a really long time for me to to work out, gradually what I've done is worked out what my definition of success is. And I work a lot with clients on this, And I have found it personally incredibly liberating to know what success is for me. And it's changed at different points in my career, the kind of tidbits on it, as it were, but actually the basic definition has always been the same. And it's actually liberating to understand what your definition of success is. So what's your definition of your success? I was waiting for that one. So my (laughs) definition of success is being held in high regard. And that for me has been utterly liberating because what I realized was, is when I was with a patient and if a patient thought I'd done a good job or I'd helped them or something positive had happened as because I'd been there for them, I was being held in high regard by them. And it felt amazing. I felt on top of the world. I felt really successful. I also felt really successful if I was chairing an event for a big organization or a big conference that felt like success. But I also felt successful if I completed um, something and somebody said, well done. So I'm very feedback driven. But when people um, were holding me in high regard, I felt like a success. And it wasn't anything to do with the title of partnership. And and this has been really liberating as well, because even in my as I've morphed into um, my coaching career. At some point, I thought, oh, my goodness, well, I'll be a success when I've written my book. And then I was thinking, no, 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 no. When I get my feedback forms from my clients and they are glowing and whatever, that moment feels amazing. Ah, yes, because success to me is being held in high regard. So that's the bit that success and the icing on the cake. If I write a book, brilliant. If I don't, well, I still feel like a success. And so for me, it's been utterly liberating. That pressure of I've got to be a partner. I've got to write a book. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's gone. I can just be in the moment. and and shape my success around what I'm doing and do more of the things that make me feel successful because it's important to me. Mm. And that's really nice to have that, that sort of North star, that thing about what, what am I aiming for here in anything that I do? It's that, that being held in high regard. That's Mm. really important to you. How does that work though, Claire, just to play devil's advocate, Mm. you can be held in high regard if you great at staying at home and being a, mm. you know great with your family it doesn't necessarily have to have work in it so where does what you achieve and what you're doing come into that success for you because you can be held in regard in many many mm. ways and it doesn't have to involve necessarily going out to work you just work in the home and be held in incredibly mm. high regard by your family Absolutely. and your friends so well that's really interesting because 
at home, I also have used that, just like you're saying, because I, when the kids hold me in high regard or I feel like I'm doing well at whatever I'm doing at home, that also feels like success. But to answer your question, it comes down to passion and drive. I've looked at purpose and I've looked at my values. And for me, I enjoy making an impact, a positive impact on people's lives that help people to reach their potential. So that kind of ties in with the success. So I suppose I'm not complete personally if I was not working. Other people are, and that's great. But for me, I need to work. But it's about just there's a bit missing. And that bit missing is around fulfilling my passions. So it's about... How, how you want people to see you, but also doing something that you're passionate about and you mm. enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I was on a business retreat a few years ago, and I was just sort of starting to do what I do now, just thinking about starting the podcast, just thinking about doing a little bit more coaching and training and stuff like that. They get you to think about where you want to be in five years' time and how you want things to look. And so this guy sat me down and said, right, okay, let's, let's have a coaching session about, about you know, where you want to be, Rachel? And I said, right, so I've got this goal and that goal. He said, no. He said, write out what you want your week to look like. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't understand. So I then said, well, okay, well, I don't want to be working every hour, God sends. I don't want to be doing this. I want to have enough time to do this and to have some thinking time. And I want to have some space. And I told him exactly how I wanted to work. And so we mapped it out and we looked at what that would look like and the set of choices that we'd have to look like. And he said, there we are. That's, that's what success looks like to you. And I was like, mm. oh my goodness, it completely transformed mm. my mindset. But for me, success is doing something that you enjoy, that you're thriving in, that allows you to live the life that you want to live. And I, like you, have been in those situations where everyone's making partner and everyone is in high powered jobs and doing amazing things and on the board of this and that and um, started to feel really, gosh, who am I and what have I done? And I'm really unsuccessful. And then some of them, you then find out, well, I, I haven't been home before midnight for the last mm. three weeks and I just need to have a day off. And actually most of my time is spent in a room on my own, just pouring over documents or, or this, that and the other. And you think, wow, very successful person but actually they probably don't feel very successful because they're not doing anything that they actually like doing do, do you come across that a lot in your clients I do but I, I suppose I would argue that sometimes um the person that is working all the hours that there are and doing all these high-powered things actually maybe that is their definition of success so for me that wouldn't be my definition of success and like you're saying you know when you mapped out your week there was obviously a lot of balance in there so there was obviously for you there's an element of balance being part of your success which is really common I see a lot of but I think some people do find success in pouring over the documents being you know working all the hours there are because they get a sense of fulfillment in that and that some people you know it's okay to want status it's okay to want financial success that's okay as long as you know what it is for you so I suppose when I'm working with people in the coaching room a lot of it is about just having complete honesty with yourself and it's not just because my definition is a slightly more woolly one doesn't have any bearing on what their definition would be because some people it is I want to be a consultant I want to be I want to be the best, you know, professor that there is. And I want to do it in the quickest time that there is. And that's their definition. And that's fine. And there'll be other people, perhaps more like you and I, who are saying actually balance and getting success in different arenas in our life is what success is. But it, it doesn't really matter what the definition of success is, in my opinion. It's just knowing what it is. And, and I think different people are different and that's fine. So that for me is the biggest thing is understanding what your definition of success success is and then thinking about how to get there. And I think for me, it's about really breaking it down into a really systematic approach. And that's really, really important. And then my, my big bugbear is this thing that I don't know about you, but when you're at school, I think a lot of us are told that, you know, if you work harder, you'll be successful and then you'll be happy. And for me, that is completely topsy-turvy. And there's a lot of work that Sean Acker's done around the happiness advantage, which is really useful. And there's, if anybody's listening, the Sean Acker um, TED Talk is my secret obsession. It's a 10-minute, incredible, hilarious talk all around the happiness advantage. But actually, for me, I've watched it like 100 times. I love it. 
But he talks about changing that equation completely the other way around. So first of all, if you understand what success is for you, you can actually start to get joy and happiness in what you're doing in that moment and actually get your happiness first. You then become more efficient and actually more productive. And then the other things come as the icing on the cake. So you're not constantly reaching for goals the whole time. You're not constantly reaching for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, and I love all that happiness research, that happiness produces success, not success producing happiness. And there's a lot that he talks about doing things that feel good now, not just for the future. And I think in medicine, what we do a lot of the time is be completely miserable now because we think, well, that's going to contribute to my future success. And you're not enjoying the journey. And actually, because you're not happy, that success is going to be even more out of reach. Absolutely. But I do think there are quite a few people that they have defined what their definition of success is. And then they get there and they go, but I'm not happy. And is this it? So it's one thing saying, well, I, I want to do this. But do you really know when you're the other side of it? What's well, going to make you happy? And what is success going to feel like? Well, I think that's partly why, why it's so important to get your happiness first. So your happiness doesn't come from making partner or being a consultant. It comes from other bits that have been created first. And those, those titles, those accolades, that book you've written is actually more just the icing on the cake. And again, Sean Acker talks about that, the Harvard effect. You know, he, he talks about how when um, you got into Harvard, which is obviously incredibly difficult school to get into, you know, surely that would mean that you are so successful to have got there. And so therefore the, the people in Harvard who are studying there should be like joyous all the time because they got into Harvard. But actually the complete opposite is true. A lot of people are feeling overwhelmed. It's a really competitive environment. Maybe their essay isn't going to be good enough, you know, and actually they're not very happy because even though they've reached this amazing accolade and on paper are successful, they don't feel successful. And this is why it's so important to change the equation. It's important to know what your success is, what you're aiming for, but not to attach your happiness to that. Your happiness comes first, like being more in the moment, enjoying the bits at that time. So example, today I'm enjoying this with you. This is a moment that's contributing to the bits that I'm aiming for on paper, but actually the bits on paper aren't going to make me the happy bit, this right now, I'm getting the joy out of this. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering about this sort of whole definition of success. And in our current uh, Western culture, thinking it always has to be about being at the top, being on the board, being in charge, having this amazing status, having a massive business growing it, scaling it, all, all these, all these sorts of things that, that we're told are successful. I, I had a, a fantastic story and th- this, th- this story has been passed around a lot. I think I read it in the Oliver Berkman book, 4,000 weeks, which I don't know if you've read that, but it's just fantastic book that there was a, a fisherman down in a very sunny country somewhere who was very good at fishing. And he would go out fishing during the, during the day, come back in the evening, he'd sit on the docks with his friends, um, drinking wine and playing music. And then somebody came to him, some businessman that observed what he was doing and said, actually, you're a really good fisherman. What you could do is get some money and invest it for more fishing boats. You could run some fishing boats from, from the bank. And then eventually you could just keep going and get more and more fishing boats. And eventually you'd be able to sell your business. And the fisherman said, well, okay, so I'll do that for a few years. And then what would I do when I'd sold my business? And the guy, the businessman said, so, well, what do you like to do? He said, well, I like fishing. I like to sit on the bank with my mates, drinking wine and playing music. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Love that. So it's just that really struck me because mm. sometimes I think we're all sitting on the bank, drinking wine and playing music, but we're like, no, this isn't good enough. We've just got to keep going mm. until we're bigger and bigger, better so that we can go back to sitting, drinking wine and playing music. Mm. I don't know. Is there a bit of element of that in our, in our society, in our culture? 100%. I think we all feel like that. I think, you know, I think that is part and parcel. That's what the conveyor belt from school to uni to a job. You, you're told, aren't you? Just keep on going until you get to the top. And then what do you do when you get to the top? As you say, it's easier and nicer and, and more fulfilling to sit and, you know, with your fish and your wine. So I think, I think that that's where the definition comes in. And that's where you have to have the guts to say, actually, for me, balance is important. 
that I want to be working X amount and I'm happy being at the level I'm at and I don't need that title. And yes, I need this amount of money because this fulfills my happiness, but actually I don't need that times 50 to be happy. And it's not attaching your happiness to those things. I suppose a lot of it is having the confidence and the guts to say, actually, I'm already successful. So I bet you if we could go and ask that fisherman and forgot what the businessman said, do you feel successful? He would probably say, yeah, of course I do. I'm really happy. I'm with my mates. I'm drinking wine. I've got, I've got enough fish to sell. My family are happy. I'm successful. So I suppose that's why the definition to me is so important because it actually brings it away from the status and the money and the go faster, go harder, push, 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 and the never being satisfied. It makes me think of that song in Hamilton. I don't know if you've seen it when he goes, he's never satisfied, he's never satisfied, he's never satisfied. And that, when I was watching Hamilton, and I was like, gosh, that is so true in career terms because actually we're never satisfied. We always want more, 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 more. And then obviously for him, it ended in disaster. But, you know, that's for me quite a poignant thing because actually, you know, it's about just understanding who you are and what you want and what you need and also learning to evaluate your success, I think it's really important because I think we forget to do that. We forget to look back and go, oh, wow, you know, I started off in school and then I went to med school or whatever career you're in. And then I did this and then I've done that. And gosh, over the last 10 years, I've really come a long way in going towards what I'm aiming for. That's really good. And it's that old adage, you know, if you I don't know if you've seen the picture of the the guy who looks like he's at the top of the stairs, but there's still a long way to go and he's kind of looking up. And then actually when he turns around, it's about 10 times longer from where he's, you know, he's come up so far. And I always think that's a really powerful image. And I suppose the other, the other point to that is that I think people think that the trajectory of success has to be this straight line of like, whoosh, yeah, like that, that whole thing I talk a lot about. Um, I'm obsessed with tortoises and hares. So like, I'm hair, I'm fast, I'm do, 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 and I feel like I've got to get there fast. And my trajectory in my head would be this straight diagonal line going upwards. That's what would success be to me. But actually, that's wrong. And I've learned that actually success is a sort of more stepwise progression up, and that there's rest periods and there's space and there's plateaus. And that's not failure, even though failure is another really important part of success. That's rest. That's time to recalibrate. That's time to be more tortoise, take it more steadily, to think, to prepare, to be planning. And that's really important. So I think those are all elements of success. It's, so it's not just the definition. It's about evaluation. It's about understanding whether your tortoise is a hare. It's understanding about the progress of what success looks like is really important. Hmm. Do you think people really spend enough time planning? what their success should look like. I'm sort of thinking about GPs going for jobs and, mm. you know, traditionally it's like, right, I need a job. I need to work this many sessions. So where's a, where's a practice that's going to pay me enough that I can work those sessions. And it mm. often it is literally down to is the money, is the salary okay? And do I think it's an okay practice mm. without thinking about actually how much money do I actually need? What's the work-life balance like here? What are the relationships like within the practice? I, I worked in a practice once and all the partners had decided to that full-time was, was many less sessions than normally full-time would be so that they had enough time to get all their paperwork done so that they all did get at least half a day during the week, if, if not a full day. Now, I don't know how they're working now because I know things mm-hmm. have changed. It was a long time ago, but I remember mm-hmm. thinking, what an amazing practice, what an amazing Mm. practice, because they have decided that that's what matters to them more than the, more than the income. They all had enough to live on. They all had enough to have a lovely life, nice holidays. You know, they weren't wanting for any, anything. And I just thought, wow, they'd sort of thought about what that looks like to them. But I don't think we really do as doctors Mm. look at that. It just tends to be about the money and about what the job is. Have you found that? Definitely. And I find that actually one of the biggest other factors is it's what happens to land on their lap. So if you happen to speak to somebody and they say, oh, we've got a job coming up or there happens to be an email that says, you know, oh, there's a job coming up. And they think, well, that will probably do. It's six sessions. It's, as you say, this amount, you know, and and then they'll just do it. And actually, um, a lot of the time what I do with people is to look at their priorities with what actually the work 
should be like, but also the other bits, you know, like, so I want to be home at X time. I want to have work this many days. I want to have an open door policy in the practice. I want it to be 20 minutes from home. I want it, whatever the I want. So, and then we whittle it down to the top three non-negotiable will not shift priorities. And then you can start to say, okay, well, I won't shift on those three, but I can compromise on the distance to work. I can compromise on the size of the practice. I can compromise on how much I'm being paid. But as long as you know the top three things that actually fit with who you are as a person, what life looks like, a bit like how your business coach did with you, you know, right back many years ago. But you know, what you want your week to look, see <clears throat> what you want your week to look like, excuse me. But also fitting in with actually, does this help me to achieve what I want to achieve? Will this help me to be successful? Because if status is part of your success. Does that allow that to happen? If balance is half part of your success, am I actually creating a balanced week? If being held in high regard is part of your success, do you value the people that you're working with? Do you value their opinion? Is it something where you can grow you know, personally and, and developmentally in that practice? Or is it actually quite sort of go, 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 get the work done? So it's really important to think about it, but I totally agree with you that I think, especially as medics, but lots of other professionals as well, we're programmed just to go on the, the, tra- the travel aid or the conveyor belt. We just, oh, it's here, I'll do it. And there's so often that we don't think, actually, does this fit in? And so I always think that it's if once you know your success, I call it success pyramid because I'm just a simple soul. If you've got success at the top, then you can start to formulate your goals which feed into that success. And then you can just formulate this simple next step that feeds into the goals. So everything's going in the same direction. It doesn't have to be fast. It can be over 20 years if you want it to be. It doesn't, it's whatever's right for you. But then when you're choosing your next practice or your next job, you're thinking, well, does this feed in to where I'm going, to my goals, to what I'm trying to achieve? Does this feed into balance? I'm going to be working 10 sessions. That doesn't, that's not balance. How am I going to feel good in six months' time? I'm not. So I think it all is really helpful just to have that structure and to, to spend a few minutes a day thinking about it. I'm, I'm not a big, like I love reflecting, but I can't do, I think it's really amazing you went to a retreat. I'd love to be, I'd love to be able to do that. I think I, 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 I'm too much hair to do that. I find it really difficult to slow down. Whereas, so what I do is, and I recommend to people who are hairs, is just to say, take five minutes in the shower or take two minutes in the car journey or on the way to work and just think one tiny little section of the program and then you can sign to fit it together or if you are more of a reflective person or tortoise perhaps then taking some dedicated time out is is really going to work for you i get it you'll push for time and with over 200 episodes how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great advice and side note on the retreat my idea of retreat is like hiking up mountains and doing stuff so it, it was fantastic and actually <laughs> but I could just say we mentioned the possibility of doing a you are not a frog retreat uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast and I said I would organize one if more than 10 people wrote, wrote in we've had a complete deluge of emails of people wow. wanting retreats so just to let people know we're on it and there'll be some stuff coming out and we're just exploring. So maybe what we need to do next is send a little survey about exactly what people want to do on the retreat. So there will be a You Are Not A Frog thinking retreat in which we'll be doing stuff as well. We won't just be sitting navel gazing. So that's, that's Sounds kind of, amazing. Sounds yeah, amazing. <laughs> we'll get outside. We'll get into nature. Anyway, back to success. There's so many interesting points I, I, want, to, I want to talk about there. I think your point about stuff just landing in your lap and you're feeling obliged to do it. I have experienced that. It's sort of like, because someone's asked you to do something out of the blue, you feel pretty flattered. And then then you really genuinely start considering it. It happened to me a couple of years ago. Someone offered me a 
a, a, a sort of a, a role running some sort of training and I wouldn't even have considered it. If you said to me, there's this job going, would you apply for it? I'd have said, no, it's not It's not what I want to do. Because someone has come to me and said, would you consider doing it? I think it'd be really good. Immediately, I sort of started thinking, well, maybe I, maybe I should. And, you know, so you feel a bit flattered that someone's asked you. And then you feel almost a bit obliged because someone's asked you. It's this really weird thing. And I've been, I remember talking to a GP who was working in a practice as a locum and she hated it. And they'd phoned her up and said, oh, I'm sorry, we're absolutely desperate. We need someone to do a day a week for us. Can you do that? And she'd said yes, because she just sort of felt obliged because they'd asked them, mm. what's, what's going on there with us? Yeah, I, I think you're so right. It happens all the time. And particularly people that um, are kind of like lots of fingers and lots of pies tend to gather more and more and more roles. And actually, the, the big thing that I say to people is make sure things are value added. And actually going into that idea that about your success, your goals and your next steps, that it all feeds into your clear direction of where you're going. And if, say, for example, with that um, person you're talking about with the locum job, if that was actually nothing of no added value to her, she didn't need the money, she didn't like the work. And actually, apart from wanting to help out, if that wasn't, you know, that was going to impact on the rest of her week and helping other people, apart from that want, if there was no other value added, then the answer that she can very politely and very nicely say is no. And I think that is really important because once you know what you're aiming for, once you have a clear idea of direction and you'll have utter clarity of where you're going, even if it's over time, even if it's there's rest, even if it's a slow progression, it's much easier to say no, because you're sure that it's not value added. Now, there may be some things that don't add value on paper, but add up value in personal development or growth or helping people, but that's still value added. It just doesn't look like it on paper. So it's really important when the things land on your lap and think, well, this, what does this add to me? How does this help? What do, what do I learn? How do I grow? How does this shape me? I and I think that's quite uncomfortable for people to do. It is. It's uncomfortable. And we also feel guilty. We think, well, mm. I'm letting them down. They really need mm. some help. But mm. I'll refer people back to the, the podcast with Rob Bell on how to ditch the saviour complex. We, we think we're the only person that can actually help mm. out or do that. So that not being able to say no is really quite arrogant. Because if you say no, then they will find someone else who will probably do a better job because they want to do it. Right. Exactly. And, you know, there's so many blocks that stop people. And one of the big ones, as you say, is, is guilt. But also people have an, a massive block around fear. You know, they're just scared of doing whatever it is or even, even having the thought process of I'm, I'm allowed to choose what my success is can feel really scary. And then there's also the other uncertainties like, well, well, even if I choose what my success is, I'm not going to be good enough to do that anyway. Or I, you know, how I wouldn't be able to achieve it. Or how would I know what to do to put that in place? And, you know, all these sort of uncertainties about ourselves. And then all the other things around, well, even if I wanted to do that, you know, how would I have the money to do it? Where would I get the training? I would never be able to do the training. You know, how could I find the time? All these things. And, but you're absolutely right. One of the biggest ones is guilt. Like how do, why should we, you know, why, why do we feel this guilt? But I think it's ingrained in all of us, in, in all professions, actually, not just medics, but medics are particularly good at guilt. I know that when I have said no to opportunities, the guilt was massive, massive, and almost overwhelming to the point of, as you said, with this, this doctor you were talking about, of, oh, I'll just do it. You know, I'll just do it because it's easier to do it than to have to deal with these emotions of guilt and say the word no, because that's really scary. And I'll just do it. But actually, in this fast, fast world that we live in, and we only live once, there does come a time when it's okay to be a little bit, not selfish, but just more self-aware. And that's okay. And as you say, there are always other people who perhaps will do that thing better than you because you're applying yourself to something else that you're doing better and somebody else can do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I love that. But it's about being more self-aware than selfish. I think I think guilt is such a massive driver. And when Caroline Walker and I run our Permission to Thrive CPD membership doctors, our, our webinars, you know, we talk about guilt a lot. And, you know, I started off by saying, yeah, you just got to ditch the guilt. And Caroline's like, no. Embrace the guilt because guilt means you're, you're a good person. Guilt means you're a good person. And the guilt means you're just sorry that you can't do all the stuff that's out there. And there's this fantastic book that's out at the moment called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, 
I apologise in advance because I'm probably going to talk about this book on every single podcast <laughs> I do for the next six months. I'd really recommend reading it. But he says you literally can't do everything. You know, you the only way to get over this time management productivity thing is just to make your peace with the fact that you have limits and everyone has a short amount of time. We only have 4,000 weeks on this planet, give or take. What are you going to use your precious, precious time and your precious life on? And when you come to peace with the fact that you are going to miss out on 99.99999% of all career opportunities, human experiences, things like that, just make your peace with it. Then you can start going, okay, so what are the one or two that I actually do want to do that are going to bring me joy? And like you said, that isn't selfish, it's self-aware, because actually if you're doing stuff that brings you joy, you will be much more productive, you will be much more successful, and you'll actually be better for those people around you as well. Absolutely. And I think there's a real benefit to naming the emotion that you're feeling. And, and I think often we, we just go, it's that you just feel unsettled and scared and stressed inside. It's like a bubbling cauldron, if you like, but we don't actually name what it is. And it might be that some people are feeling scared, might be that some people are feeling something else. But often, as you say, it's that word guilt. And once you can say, I feel guilty or I feel jealous, or I feel angry, or I feel scared, and sit in it for a little bit and say, well, I'm justified to feel like this. It's okay. Then you can actually say, okay, so what's the next step? What, how do I move forwards? What, what, how do I address this differently? I'm okay to feel guilty, but actually I can't sit in this guilt forever. So I either move backwards if that's what I choose to do, or I'm going to move forwards and and understand that it's okay to feel that and I think labeling the motion is really really important yes and then you can sit I talk about the zone of power a lot so what are you in control of what are you out of control of so you're, you're feeling guilty it's then I can choose to just accept that accept the mm. guilt accept that I'm not in control of what's happening in the world and whether they can get locums or not if I don't want to accept that guilt I can make a choice I can make a choice to go and work there mm. because I want to work there and I, it's about then saying well I'm choosing to do this because I'm choosing this so that I and that is that is much much more powerful isn't it rather yeah. than just feeling I, I have to because I'm feeling guilty and I feel so awful I don't want to but I feel guilty yeah absolutely and you're you know exactly right what you're saying around control because it changes your mindset and therefore I bet you if that person that you were talking about had thought about it differently rather than like oh god I feel guilty I've got to go and work in that role that I hate but if she said actually do you know what this is something I feel I need to do actually I'm not ready to move on yet I can gain lots of experience with patients it's financially good and um, there's lots I can gain from actually doing this role one day a week and then when I'm ready I'll move on that's a completely different thought process to oh my god this is awful I can't believe I'm doing it. I hate this you know and it's just more manageable but once you as you say once you've named the emotion you're then able to decide what to do with it and use your control to kind of shape it the way you want it to go yeah that idea of next action and there's an emotion that you mentioned earlier, Claire, which is fear. Mm. I think fear holds us back a lot. And it, it's fear of failure, isn't it? And I know you mentioned failure as well. And I just done, we've just done a recording about, about failure, actually, at the Faculty of Leadership and Management Conference. And gosh, I don't think you can be successful without failing because I, have, I don't learn anything unless I get it wrong and you know even with starting the podcast you do stuff wrong you get it a bit wrong you you try differently and I've come across the term AFOG recently which I absolutely love which stands for another flipping opportunity for growth <laughs> use whatever <laughs> f word you like but it's really helpful because oh I did something happened the other week and I was just like gutted and I knew I'd not done it very well and I was really annoyed with myself and I could see what had happened and I was like, oh, I'm so dreadful beating yourself up. And it's like, no, you know what? That This is so much of an AFOG and it's taught me so much. And I'm going to be so much better in the future for having made that mistake. If I'd have just gone to that thing and it all gone swimmingly and smoothly, wouldn't have improved at all. Nothing would help. It's really uncomfortable, isn't it? And medics, we're very perfectionists. We don't like to fail. And in our, I guess, day-to-day -day job, failure could mean serious patient harm. So in our heads, it's like a really, 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 really bad thing. But in the startup world, like you try and fail fast. That's the whole point of lean. You know, you 
you create you create your minimal viable product you test it and you hope it fails if it's not going to you hope it fails immediately because then you know what not to do mm-hmm. how can we how can we embrace that more well i think the first thing is a, a quote by thomas edison which i absolutely obsessed with is i failed my way to success because that's what he did <laughs> and it's amazing because when you think about it he had to get it wrong multiple times in order to create the light bulb and i just for me that is really powerful. And as you're saying, you know, it's not nice to fail. And, you know, I love your AFOG. That's great. But also I think, you know, ultimately failure is one of the biggest parts of success. You cannot be successful in my view without failing. And it's interesting because again, going back to school, I think in our generation, I'm generalizing, but I think most um, of our generation were taught that you can go be successful and failure is on the opposite side of the room. You've got the successful people and the failure people. And even in a family, oh, this one's a success, this one's not doing so well. You know, that's how culturally it it was here. And I think that's really changing. In schools, you are taught now to fail, that failing is really good, but it's about how you stand up after you fail. And that's the bit. So I I almost would say to people, okay, so again, label I have, in inverted commas, failed, and then think, now how do I stand up? Not I need to stand up, but the word how. So it might be, okay, first of all, I need to do this, and that will get me to my knees. And then I need to have a big week, and that will mean that I can kind of get up on high knees and then I need to talk to X, Y, and Z, put some things in place. And that will mean that I can start to stand, but my head's down. And then I need a big hug and I need to put my next steps in place. And then my head's held high. And it's just about how you stand up, how you stand up rather than sitting in the failure and thinking that's who I am and understanding that you, you cannot, if you want to be successful, if you want to reach your success definition, you have to fail. So if you haven't failed, then you cannot be successful, in my view. I love that Thomas Edison quote. I think this is really important when it comes to career success, Mm -hmm. because in this podcast about failure, Claire, who's a leadership fellow at the um, FMLM, has just finished her surgical, registrar surgical training. And she got to the end, did incredibly well, and then thought to herself, but I'm not really enjoying this and is now going to move on and do GP training. She's going to be a GP. She'll be an amazing GP. But she was talking about how, even though in her head, she knows that's great. She's made that choice deep down. It might feel a little bit like she's failed Mm -hmm. at surgery. And I just think it's deeply ingrained in us that if we do a career change or we even leave a practice to do, go to a different practice or we, stop doing a role because we don't like it, that somehow we have failed in that role or that job or that particular, even changing specialty. It's this, this thing that changing means that we're failing. And it's taken me a long time to come to terms with the fact that I absolutely love what I do now. And it suits me. It plays to my strength. And what I was doing before, some of it played to my strengths, but it didn't so much. And so I'm enjoying this now than I did. But you're still getting to that, well, have I failed? I don't know. Do you come across this? Oh, all the time. And I've experienced it myself, but that's all about springboarding. And I think this is why it's utterly key. So the person you're talking about who, you know, was a surgical um, trainee and then switched to GP, the natural instinct is to think, oh, I failed. Therefore, you know, I've changed into something else. But actually, it's completely the opposite. What she's done is super, super clever. So what she's taken is she said, right, actually, this isn't quite where I want to end up. This isn't going to enhance my happiness for whatever reason. I'm going to springboard my career set, my my skill set, and actually springboard my career forward. So I'm going to take the skills that I got and use them in a different way to enhance my happiness. And that's really key. So I, I... felt exactly the same when I gave up clinical medicine I had the guilt I felt oh my goodness what am I doing am I making a big mistake and actually it's the complete opposite I've never been happier because I'm doing like you what I'm you know I'm doing what I enjoy and what I'm I'm better at and what I've done is taken the skills that I used before and use them in a different way and that's exactly what you've done that's exactly what this um, person you're talking about I'm sure will do as well and it's understanding that actually, you know, it's not 
you have to get to one point in your life and you're done. You can have multiple parts of your life. And as long as we take what we've learned from the previous parts of our life and feed it into the next one, grow and develop it, then nothing is lost. It's all just part of the story. And that's really important. Actually um, failing, it's actually springboarding. And I don't think that's the same sort of failure as what we're talking about, which parts is success, because that actually isn't failure. That's just change. And that's different to failure. Failing is when something goes wrong and then you've got to understand what went wrong and how to change it and how to move forward. It's like Thomas Edison. Change isn't failure. Change is growth. Mm. But we're not, we're not in that mindset in medicine because probably because we actually reach our sort of destination at a very early point in our mm. career. You know, mm. I, I was a GP at the age of, I don't know, three or, you know, 28, 27, 28. And I could have gone into partnership at that age and just stayed there. So, you know, mm. partner, pinnacle, you can become a consultant really quite early on. And so you can be clinical director and then things like that. So it's because we have these sort of static things, you know, in industry and in other places, people move around all the time and mm. try different roles and things. And they don't feel like they're failing. They feel like it's a, it's a promotion. But if someone decides to do something different, we we're in that mindset. So, I, you know, I don't think it's something we're going to solve. But just to say to people, it's OK to change. It's probably mm. one of the best decisions you're going to make. I want to move us on just because we haven't got very long left, Claire. And I just wanted to ask, what if you felt that you have been successful. So say you are a partner in the practice, you have really enjoyed what you're doing. You feel you're running a great practice. You're doing a great job. You've got that, you're held in high regard by lots and lots of people, but events recently have really conspired to make the job not enjoyable anymore. So you're not happy, not because you don't like what you're doing, but you're just completely overwhelmed and there's so many, so many challenges. How would you help somebody with success if they were feeling like that? Well, I think it comes back to the fisherman, like we were talking about earlier. So if, in essence, you still feel like the fisherman, that you love what you do, you're happy with the end product, you've got the fish, you've got the wine, and you've got your friends at the end of the day, then it's about changing your mindset and coping with where you are. And that can be done individually with self-coaching techniques, but it can be necessary to be doing that with peers. And so for lots of people, people are getting coaches and support systems around them to have more sort of formal support with that. But I think if you've got to the point where actually you've done that, you've done the partnership, you've got what you needed to do, get out of this part of your life, it might be time for a change. It might be time to do something else. And I'm not talking about leaving medicine or doing anything particularly different. It might just be that you need to reshape your week. It might be that you need to do less of one thing and actually more of something else. And I suppose that can be done in a self-coaching structured approach. I use my three R's, which is um, all about sort of taking it step by step by reflecting, reinventing, and then rebuilding. Or it can be done in a more formal approach with a coach and actually really looking at where you want to be, how you want to get there, what you need to put in place to achieve that. And understanding maybe your definition of success has changed. Maybe it was never that being a partner was success. Maybe it was around making an impact on people. And that actually isn't possible anymore in the, given the situation, how things have changed and how difficult things are. And maybe that's the definition rather than the label of partnership. And how can you be impactful in a different way? How can you keep perhaps some of your role and change something else so that even that part of your week fulfills that definition of success whilst you tread water with the other parts of the week change your mindset and wait for things to change again in the environment. So there's lots of ways of looking at it, depending on the situation and depending whether you're a fisherman who's happy with his fish and his wine. I love that. Cause I think often we think, all oh, right, this is, this is not sustainable. Can't do it anymore. Baby out with bathwater, change absolutely everything. Mm. And often it's just a couple of things that need, that need tweaking. One of my favorite things to do with people, we do this all the time on, on webinars and courses and things is get people to map out what their current working week looks like with all their, all the obligations you've got, all the different roles, how long admin time you've got when you're in surgery, all those different things, what you do outside of work, et cetera, and just have a look and see what your week looks like. And, you know, most people, it's, you look at it, you go, oh my goodness, no wonder I'm stressed. And mm. then, and then ask yourself a few questions and then do that whole exercise again, just like that, that person did with me on the business retreat, write down how many days you want to be working, literally map it out, go work here, 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 day off here, afternoon here, play tennis here 
what your absolutely ideal would look like, a week in which you would feel really genuinely happy. And then just compare the two and go, right, hmm, what, what needs to go? What roles need to go? What, what do you need to put in there? Et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll make that um, tool available to people. If people want to download mm. the Thrive Week Planner, they just can click sign up and download it. But I think just getting super clear about how you want to live is really, and, really helpful. And also a lot of it, I'll just give you a quick example. Is, is Sometimes you don't need to change anything. You just need to change your mindset. So I had a client who, when I started working with her, she was a, a salary GP, wanted to be a partner, um, had these all these plans in place, wanted to be a trainer, but she was really unhappy. And at the end of her six months coaching on paper, she was exactly the same. She was salary GP. She wants to be a partner. She wants to be a trainer. At the beginning, she was very miserable, run down, near burnout, couldn't cope. At the end, she had joy in every single day of her work. And the reason being is that she completely changed her approach, completely changed her mindset, and she completely changed her definition of success. So all the pressure had gone and she was enabled to get happiness on a day-to-day basis. And for me, that was one of my biggest successes in coaching, which sounds really odd, is that we made no changes at all, except for that everything changed. Gosh, and so she didn't put anything different in her day? She didn't do anything Nothing changed. Nothing changed because all that we did was looked at all the pressures, all these internal pressures and external pressures of what she should be doing, how she should be doing it, what people thought of her, how quickly she had to achieve it, when it had to be done by. She was trying to be a hare, but she was a tortoise. And as soon as she accepted that, as soon as she looked at her day differently, as soon as she saw people, the assumptions she was making about people and what they were thinking about her and all the pressures of that, or when all of that went and she just got comfortable with who she was and what she wanted and what she enjoyed and what she was good at, she suddenly realized she was a great doctor. And that was her definition of success. All she wanted to do was be a great doctor. And she we broke that down into what that meant for her. And she looked at it and she went, that's what I'm doing. Oh my goodness, I'm a great doctor. So she suddenly was able just to really enjoy where she was at. Oh, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. And I think, you know, changing the story in her head. That was it, changing the story she was telling herself. Yeah. So you can do it. I think everybody is different. So I think for certain people, what you're talking about and laying out your week is amazing. It's life changing. For other people, nothing needs to change except for you. And for other people, lots of things got to change. And that's all fine. Whatever it is, is fine. But you do need to do the work to get there. But it can be done in bite size. Oh, Claire, we could talk about this for a lot longer, but we're out of time. So I'm going to ask you for your three top tips. What three recommendations would you make for anyone who's maybe struggling a bit with this at the moment? How to be successful? So I would say, firstly, know your definition of success. Secondly, ensure that you understand your trajectory to success. So whether you're tortoise or hare, whether you want to do it slow, whether you want to do it fast. And thirdly, be kind to yourself just be kind to yourself. Thank you. That was, that was really, really interesting, Claire. And I know you put a lot out around sort of self-coaching and success on social media. So if people wanted to find you, follow you, how can they do that? Yeah. So I'm obsessed with putting lots on Instagram. So I'm all over Instagram. So um, if you want to follow me and get lots of free um, self-coaching tips and tricks and access to my free seminars and podcasts, then follow me at Dr. Claire K underscore executive coaching. I'm also um, on LinkedIn and Dr. Claire K and Facebook the same. So you're welcome to follow me and to um, access those whenever you want. Thank you so much, Claire. We'll have to get you back another time. So there's Love so much to. more that we can talk about. <laughs> so brilliant. Well, thank you for being here and we'll speak soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.